Can you see it? There's so much great found in the small. A full life of potential in a heartbeat. A massive tree in an acorn. Trillions of atoms in a speck of dust. So much said in a look. So much history in a scar. So much comfort in silence. The faith to move mountains in a seed. The greatest gift in pennies. A timeless sacrifice in a few breaths. The greatest of man in a servant. The universe is great in the small. Stars 1,000 times the size of Earth, just specks in the sky. Salvation in the simplest of prayers. The gift of eternity in an instant. Freedom from bondage in a choice. Fullness of life in the darkest of times. Power of resurrection in a word. The greatest significance in the smallest of steps. Can you see it? May we all come to see the great in the small. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our 217 Faith Church weekly service. We greet you in the name of the Lord, and we hope that you will hear God's word today and be moved into faithful action. As we do every week, we like to direct you to our ministry website, 217faith.church, where you may find previous and other teachings to aid you in your Christian walk. While you're there, you will also find opportunities to put your faith into action. During the upcoming month of July, we have chosen to partner with another worthy, wonderful international charity called Open Doors USA. Their purpose, the ministry that they do, is that they send crucial aid to persecuted Christians around the world. So we ask you, please navigate over to our website and donate directly to these worthy efforts. Help our brothers and sisters in the faith worldwide to know that we stand with them and that we want to bless them more than just with our words. Amen. Today, our teaching brings us to the topic of trust and more precisely, trusting in God's GPS. What do I mean by that? Well, let's get right into it, if you will. How many of us use the GPS in our cars or perhaps in our phones to get us from one place to the other? Now, you can ask my family. I'm an infamous user of the GPS. Even if I know exactly where I'm going, I still turn it on. I want to know what traffic conditions are. I want to find any possible shortcuts to minimize my driving distance. I want to stay up to date with what's happening up ahead, including the presence of certain cars with blue Lincoln lights. You know what I'm talking about? Yet there are countless stories of people being led astray by their GPS systems. It says turn left, but there's not a street to turn into. It continually demands that you redirect or you turn around, but you know the real way, right? So you're just going to ignore it. I've even heard of cases of people that have driven off into bodies of waters all because they follow their GPS or in some cases failed to follow what it was telling them to do. 
You see, technology is great when it helps, when it works. But it's difficult for us to continue to trust in technology when it continues to misrepresent itself and not function properly. In our Christian walk, it is no different. Faith is truly a muscle that we must utilize and exercise so that it may grow stronger. As we walk in our journey of faith, God calls us to put our hope and trust in him and to trust in his GPS. And this is what I mean. Simply to trust him in our giving, in our prayers, and in our self-denial. Not only are we to trust God with his spiritual practices, but additionally, we have to practice them in secret, if you will, and never for the recognitions of others. We're going to break each one of these uh, individually in just a few seconds here. As a point of fact, during the next few weeks, we plan to have an entire different kinds of teachings developing around these three topics that we're going to touch on today of giving, praying, and service. Yet these topics and these practices of the Christian faith cannot be avoided, especially when we talk about trusting in God and what he does in us and through us. And so we will have an introduction today, as we mentioned in the service, and we're going to further develop these topics uh, throughout the next couple of weeks. So make sure you keep coming back, all right? So let's begin today with G and the GPS, which stands for given. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus instructs us to be careful that we don't practice our religion in front of people to draw their attention. If we do, we will have no reward from our Father in heaven. Whatever you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpets, it says, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may get praise from the people. I assure you, says Jesus, that the only reward they, they seek, they will receive. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that you may give to the poor in secret. And your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And in fact, some translations say, will reward you openly. Now, why do you think Jesus calls us to be secretive in our giving? One thing that comes to mind is think about when, we, uh, when people receive charity from others. Uh, have you ever had to kind of swallow your pride and go ask for help and go get some help from someone else? How did that feel? It's truly not a good feeling, right? Hopelessness and feelings of failure tend to bog the mind. And the last thing that we want is somebody else pointing out their generosity and how they have blessed us, right? So instead, let us set in our hearts so we will give and give it and leave the publicity business to God. Give in secret so that God may bless others publicly. You see, he knows our hearts. Trust me. He is proud of our willingness and our actions to help. So just give. Jesus reminds us that if all we want is acknowledgement for our charity, then we will receive our reward in full. People will notice us. They may even say, wow, what a, what a kind person that is. However, our giving has greater implications than just being recognized for doing a good deed. Our giving has eternal implications as it can help lift others from poverty or bring a message of hope to those who may not yet know about the saving power of Jesus. Our giving is able and is capable of reassuring fellow believers around the world who may currently be under the, the, the persecution from pagan governments or from the dark forces of this world, oppressing them rather than blessing them to know and be encouraged that believers like them are trying to do what they can and that indeed God has not forsaken them. Our giving can be easily compared to farming. Perhaps like me, maybe you, you hesitate because you don't have knowledge or the process of farming. But yet maybe like we've done in the past, you've attempted to plant some things. And we have. Here and there, we planted a flower or a tree. Uh, there was a time when we actually planted some corn and pepper. We had cucumbers and carrots, a few bushes of strawberries, and even one watermelon. It was hard work. 
but it was quite satisfying to enjoy the fruits of our labor. And you see, we need to view our giving in this manner as sowing seeds, as planting something that can grow and be enjoyed by others. The more we spread, the better the outcome. I was recently watching a video on helping me to my lawn uh, to, to grow and to get green, greener. And one of the suggestions was to overseed, meaning to go crazy and to spread lots and lots of seeds to create a thicker and more lush lawn. You see, there's a few things that we need to remember, aside from, of course, give, give and give as much as you can when it comes to giving. One of those things is we must never be indifferent in our giving and simply follow what I call the ABCs of giving. Give being aware of the need. Give benevolently and give consistently. Do not limit your giving because you perceive that you have nothing. The poor widow from scripture did not give an offering out of her abundance, but she gave all that she had. And Jesus noticed her and praised her for it. When we trust in God, he provides for us. He will. Be a joyful giver in all circumstances then, right? And then lastly, do not fear when you give, but know that God will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory, that his name may be praised, and so that others may experience his goodness through your generosity. You remain faithful and watch how God will overwhelm you with his joy and generosity. You see, through our giving, we can learn to bless others, to help them grow and to thrive. We can help solve the problems of this world. I believe that. That prevents spiritual potential on many from being reached. We can benefit all of humanity. We can imitate the grace and generosity of God. Think about this. Does anyone owe you anything? Then cancel that debt, just like God has canceled the debt that we have. Forgive sins that you may be forgiven. Care for the poor and enjoy the favor of God. Jesus himself, who shows us how we must give, said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Look it up, Acts 20, 35. This is a biblical promise that I have experienced in my own life. Whether in plenty or in need, give until the Lord blesses you, and he will take care of the rest. Seek God in prayer. Ask him to direct your giving. Develop your faith in him and see what he can do with a willing heart. A willing heart that is led by the second thing of trusting in God's GPS, and that is a heart that is led by prayer. Jesus, once again, speaking about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, says, and when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the street corners so that everyone can see them. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to the Father who sees the secret place. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Which begs the question, then, what, what is prayer? You see, the secular word uses prayer as a means of getting what we want from God, right? In every movie that you see, there's a meteor coming crashing down on earth. And the viewers, the president always encourages the viewers to pray. We get to agree with God, if you will. And that's truly what prayer is. We cannot waste the, the meaning of prayer and simply uh, doing a to-do list. But we must see prayer for what it is. It is an opportunity for us to align ourselves with the desires of God for our lives. So when Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he began by worshiping God, acknowledging who he was. Then he includes a few statements of gratitude, and finally he finishes with a request or, or an acceptance that God is the purpose, and that God is the only one that can answer and provide for our needs. 
not just our wants, but our needs. It is truly in his will that these things can happen and that God will answer our prayers. You see, prayer is where we learn to hope for the things that God already has in line for us. As described by, by the young Sunday school boy, prayer is when the elevator goes up and reaches the presence of God so that he can hear our concerns. Prayers is where we put our faith into practice, where we exercise that spiritual muscle. And there's a tale, of course, in a Midwestern town that was experiencing some severe droughts. And the mayor of the town decided to call for a prayer meeting, a public prayer meeting in the town square, that together the town might seek God's release from their lack of precipitation and grant them refreshing rain. The mayor instructed the citizens to bring with them symbols of faith. So some brought Bibles, some brought crosses, some brought books, some Christian authors and CDs, and, and Christian musicians brought their instruments and other trinkets. As the town came together, the mayor was filled with hopeful anticipation as he saw the great turnout. Yet his heart was overcome by joy when he saw young little Sue standing in the middle of the crowd holding her umbrella. He rushed to her and asked her, what do you have there? And the little girl responded, well, if we're going to pray for rain, I didn't want to get wet, so I brought my umbrella. This is a simple yet powerful statement of how faith can lead us to hope and, and to pray and to seek the will of God and to believe that when we seek him, he will, find, he will hear us. Even better, Jesus reminds us that when we pray, we're truly trusting in God that he knows best and what he hoped for us is better than anything that we can ever imagine. When we place our hope in people, they will disappoint us. They will criticize us. They may even be hurtful to us under the banner of a misguided love. Suppose that you find a need to criticize someone. If you do it in love, then it's okay, right? No. It's better than you keep your comments to yourself. Build others up with your words, not tear them down. Yet when we hope in God, when we seek his wisdom in the confidence of our inner rooms, in the secrecy, in the privacy of our hearts and our minds, then he will answer. And he will answer in a way that once again will bring glory to himself. And as a result, he will ultimately bless us and others through us. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with, with praying in public or in a church setting or as part of an assembly. The warning is related to praying in public if you not, do not possess the spiritual discipline of praying in private. You see, when we learn to pray in the secrecy of our hearts, then we are humble and we are gentle. If we skip that and we just go in public, then our prayers may look a little different. We need to develop the muscles, the prayer muscles, that they may be strengthened as we imitate and seek God in the secret places. As we intimately seek to be closer to him, rather than come across as a clanging symbol in the public, and that really only encourages people away from the faith, as they see us as some sort of a pious behavior. No, Jesus often prayed in private. So did the prophet Elijah. Even Daniel regularly practiced it. When we fall prey to the temptations to be repetitive in our public prayers for the sake of longevity or so that someone may be impressed with our oratory skills, repeating a prayer so that others think we're great, that's wrong. And you'll get nothing out of that. But now, repeating a prayer doesn't necessarily automatically nullify our prayers. No, Jesus himself, we know, prayed three times in the garden for his crucifixion that might pass him, yet ultimately he prayed for the will of God to be accomplished. The difference is what is guiding our prayers. If we're just repeating ourselves in public so that people can hear what we're saying, that's your reward. 
if we are repeating our prayers in private because we believe that God hears us and we want to pour our hearts on him, then God will bless you. A sincere, humble prayer is not one that can be repeated in vain. No one that, that nothing that, that we can practice often to, to polish it. That's not the purpose here. You don't want to just practice your prayers time after time, but it comes, uh, an honest prayer comes from a heart that has been permitted to spend time in silence, time in meditation and contemplation. And then a request flows from that desire of the heart, desires that God freely gives us, desires that become a reality as we direct, as a direct result of his level of giving in our lives. And of course, of his own work of self-denial, which leads us to this third part of how we can trust in God's GPS, which is through our self-denial. Now, what do I mean by that? Self-denial is a spiritual discipline that every believer must practice. Often you may have heard it referred as fasting or self-sacrifice. These are the things that we are willing to take upon our lives or give up in our lives so that we may focus upon God's will to seek his guidance, to learn to rely on his provisions, deny ourselves food or drink or, or some sort of comfort in life has the added benefit, spiritual benefit, or developing joy and hope and faith in action in our lives, a faith that will be based on trusting God and not ourselves. Once again, in Matthew chapter 6, now in verses 16 and 18, Jesus says to us regarding the practice of fasting and self-denial, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, he said, with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces on purpose so that they may appear to man as though they're fasting. As surely I says to you, says Jesus, they will have their rewards. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to man as to be fasting, but your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you openly. When under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the prayerful attitude that Christ inspires in us, we should deny ourselves certain things in life as we seek to better understand the plan of God for our lives. God's requirement for fasting was truly a, an annual occasion, yet the spiritual leaders of the Jewish nation, those who abused their position to subjugate them under their rule, fasted twice a week, and they were very public about it. Let me ask you. How can you seek intimacy with God in an attempt to be all public about it? You can't, right? You see, what comes out of mere self-righteousness behavior does not encourage anyone else to seek the same meaningful connection with God. Fasting can do that if we are doing it in the wrong way. Yet if we seek God through our fasting in our secret places, then it can connect us to the purpose of God for our lives. Fasting is the spiritual discipline intended to help us to control the appetites of the body. For many people worldwide, fasting becomes as a result of their poverty or the oppression under the hands of others or a simple lack of, of the basic means. Yet for us in overdeveloped countries, fasting tends to be a nuisance, an inconvenience, something that we may do, but, you know, we skip a meal or we deny ourselves a coffee today for the week. For the week. This is rubbish and it carries no meaning. Sometimes we may even deny ourselves of going to a fasting because of some sort of a medical condition. But what is it truly satisfying? What are we really sacrificing if we're giving out of our abundance? Yet when we fast, we must do so primarily as an act of worship towards God. And unless our fast develops in us a devotion to the will of God, then there will be no lasting spiritual benefit for you. 
as with giving and praying, true self-denial must be done in secret. It is between you and God, and like the other two disciplines that we've mentioned, you are not to do them or practice them in the open so that you may be seen by others. If that's what you want, then that's your reward. But then you would have missed the point. If you think you have to appear pitiful so that some other person may be lifted up, then you fully do not grasp what living a spiritual life is all about. God will never tear you down to build someone up. He is a just God. He will avenge you from those who have harmed you and from those who are living sinful life. But when it comes to fasting, the purpose is not to guilt others into coming to God. But it is an internal, personal decision to purposely seek the will of God. Anything else? makes us outright hypocrites. And Jesus mentions that in each of the passages we read today. Hypocrisy can rob us of the joy that comes from living the Christian life. Hypocrisy will rob us of our character as we trade off our mere reputation. And not only will it rob us of these things, but also the spiritual reward connected to the righteous act of fasting. The eternal approval of God, the improvement of our inner person from sin to holiness. We miss out on the present blessings that God has prepared for us in the here and now, and worse, of course, in eternity. One more really bad thing we trade off if we only seek public adoration. We disregard our ability to influence others spiritually. You remember the Pharisees we mentioned? who did all of their deeds in public. They destroyed and defiled all that they touched, and they had no positive impact on the spiritual life of the people of God, although that was their primary duty. They allowed their hypocrisy to be their source of strength. Yet hypocrisy is a falsehood. It is a mirage that soon falls apart and fades away. We, through these spiritual disciplines, must overcome our deep hypocrisy, the hypocrisy desires, and simply be honest, be humble, be vulnerable with God in our secret lives. And as we do, we will truly be able to trust his GPS, his guidance in our lives. I think at some point or another, we all fall prey to our own hypocrisy. I nearly lost everything in my life, and that's part of my testimony because of the things that I was involved in and the, the, the active life of hypocrisy that I lived. And it wasn't until I, I, I repented of those acts, until I became to truly once again trust in God's GPS through my, my, the development of, it, of an active and, and intentional prayer life and, and, and of giving life and of service life, that God has brought me to the place now where I can recognize it when it comes to my life. So no one's guilting you into anything. We want to encourage you to look inward and to see why are you motivated to do the things you do? Why do you give? Why do you pray? Why do you serve? Is it truly to bring honor and glory to God? Then keep going. And if it's for anything else, then stop and ask God to guide you. Friends, we must never give out of a sense of obligation, but only from what we have already joyfully set apart in our hearts to give. We must never pray for anything that we do not mean in our hearts, but only from what comes from the desires that God places in our hearts, desires to help others. We must never self-sacrifice out of a, de a simple desire to, that we may be recognized by others, but to truly bring glory to God, all out of a mind and heart to soul that seeks His perfect will and purpose. The purpose behind today's teaching is to get us to cultivate in our hearts 
that secret place, the place where only God can see, the place where only he can come and truly fellowship with us without the distractions of the world around us. The only important part of the child of God is that part that only God can see and God can access. Not what our reputations may be, not what others may think of us, not whether good or bad, but who God truly sees in us, who only he knows we can be. After all, he created us with a desire that we may fellowship with him in all things, that we may worship him above all things, that we may come to trust him daily and in his guidance, despite of what else we may be going in our lives. Can you believe that this is true? Then I invite you to pray with me right now. Father, we approach you with humble hearts being overcome with joyful perseverance, that, that as we trust more and more in your guidance, that you would direct our giving, that it may be a source of hope for others, that you will walk with us in our prayer life, that we may ask according to your will and purpose, and that you will validate our sacrifice as we seek to serve those in need around us and grow closer in our relationship with you. My God, thank you for all that you do in our lives. All of the blessings that you bestow upon us, they're not meant just for our benefit, not merely for our enjoyment, but also for the blessing of others. Help us, Lord, to grasp these ideas that we may desire to develop intimacy with you, that we may truly cultivate a secret place, a place that will direct our generosity, our hope, and our service as we discover more on these topics in the next couple of weeks. We trust in you, O oh God. Guide us each and every day to accomplish your will. For we pray these things in Jesus' name, the one who makes our relationship with you possible. Amen and amen. As always, we are so grateful to have you join us with us each week here during our service time. And we pray that you will be motivated to put your faith in God into action. Please visit our website at 217faith.church and help us to spread the word by liking, by sharing, by clicking notifications there below. We are humbled by God's calling in our lives to preach his message of hope, of love, and an invitation to others. Please join us, and together we can reach more and more who surely need a welcoming word of grace from God today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May he protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and grant you peace. Until that time. Go in the assurance that God is seeking you out before you even know it. Trust him to guide your giving, your prayer, and your service as you learn to live in his goodwill for your life. God bless you.